Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and as always, I thank you for listening to this sports podcast where we have a lot to talk about and a lot of football to break down. I'm going to be talking to my buddy Matt Wittenberg about the college football lines this weekend, second last week of the season, a lot to break down. It's not rivalry we get for, for most teams, but a lot to be playing for. The playoff picture is, is taking shape. Ohio State, Penn State starts us off early. Oregon, Georgia, LSU, all the top teams that are fighting for playoff spots in action. And we break all that down as well as make our playoff picks for what we think is going to happen uh, at the end of the segment. And then I talked to Chris Miller about the NFL. Chris Miller comes back on the show. We break down all the wild and wacky stuff going into this mid to late November in the NFL season. The Ravens rolling, big Niners and Packers game coming up. Will the Ravens beat the Rams? Are the Browns going to bounce back for my sanity? Will his Raiders make the playoffs? And a fun bet at the end of the show that we make. It's Matt Wittenberg and Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some college football. Two weeks left in the regular season. Hard to believe that, but we're going out with our best foot forward, Matt Wittenberg, on the line to talk some college football. Matt, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Can't believe how fast the season's gone, though. I know it's our uh, favorite time of the year coming up, though, here uh, next week with Rivalry Week rolling around. Yeah, next week's rivalry week, unless it's you know this week if you're USC and you keep messing up the schedule. So, uh, rivalry. yeah, getting those <laughs> bye weeks at the end of the season for some reason. So go figure. Yeah, I, this week we talked about and we've touched on it is isn't the most attractive week on the surface. There's a lot of traps and a lot of opportunities here uh, to make some bets to also put your best foot forward for getting bowl eligible for making a run at a conference championship. So there's a lot to be decided this week. I do want to go back to last week because, uh, the bombshell in college football with his, uh, Tua, that injury, his hip injury, and it just sucks mm-hmm. in general. Neither of us are Alabama fans and a lot of people are ready for a new contender to emerge, but no one wants to see that. And, you know, I'm just hoping that modern medicine and, and, you know, recovery is better than you know the Bo Jackson situation 20 30 years ago and I hope that he gets back to playing football whether it's Alabama next year or if he decides to go pro yeah exactly just a shame at such a talented and all around or by all accounts such a good humble dude going down to an injury like that and obviously you can get injured anytime during a game but just it stings a little bit more when you're up that much in the first half and I, I don't know how accurate it is, but with Nick Saban saying that that was going to be his last series no matter what, but, I mean, be that as it may, it doesn't take any of the, like I said, doesn't take any of the sting out of it, but, yeah, just all around unfortunate for him, and it's going to be interesting to see what that recovery process is like for him and if he does end up in. I mean, I'd be surprised if he went back to school. I'm sure someone would still probably take a flyer on him in the first round, depending on how severe the injury is so we'll see but I mean knock on wood that this isn't the end of the road for him he seems like he's a tough kid and fighter but yeah just been hampered by quite a few injuries during his career at Alabama so that I mean if he does make it back on the field for the NFL that could be just more red flags for him moving forward yeah it's going to be a tough one uh what he decides to do definitely very positive seems like a good humble kid as well uh, what he wants to do with the injury, not just this one, but the injury history, as you said, if maybe another season at Alabama would be the move. 
we won't really know until the spring comes around and he gets thrown and you know decides what he wants to do you know so uh we will have to monitor that but it does open the door the playoff rankings are uh about are the same as they were in the top five uh with some interesting subplots there because i'm looking at the the playoff ranking and i'm imagining a scenario where, where lsu goes undefeated and Georgia does not get that spot. If Georgia does not win out, we assume that LSU would get in. If Georgia does, Ohio State, Clemson win out. Is that going to be a Pac-12 team? Do we look at Oregon and Utah as the next up in the playoff? Or with Bama and to his injury, are they still in the mix? I think so. I think especially as long as Oregon and Utah both win out until the Pac-12 championship and they're both entering that game with one loss, then I would – I mean, I'm a Pac-12 guy, so I'm a little biased, but then I think that would probably give them enough sway over an Alabama team that already lost and doesn't have any marquee wins. I guess if they did beat Auburn, that would be sort of a marquee win, but that they would be. I think the committee would take into account that they don't have uh, Tua under center anymore, so that might take some luster off of declaring them one of the four best teams. And if you line up their resume with a team like Oregon or Utah with one loss conference champion as opposed to one loss Alabama who didn't even win their division and has one win over a ranked team, which would be Auburn at that point. So, I mean, I would lean towards the Pac-12 champ for sure, but it's hard to say with this committee. Yeah, I agree with that, and I also think that what the committee said was uh, with their rankings was basically we don't care about the Big 12 or we don't take them seriously because, mm-hmm. that I mean, Oklahoma, even if they went out, I don't see it happening, barring total chaos. Baylor dropped so far with that loss, which was you know just horrible how they blew that game. But um, yeah, I think it's going to come down to whether we have a one-loss Pac-12 champ. Georgia obviously would get in if they win the SEC title game along with LSU, which would just have that one loss. Yeah, I think it's going to come down mm-hmm. to most likely then Pac-12 or Alabama, and, and if it's Oregon or Utah, the way they've been winning convincingly which we'll get into, which is where it's about scoring points with the playoff committee, especially this week. I think that's what we're going to have. So, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens, and we'll start with just previewing here on the Money Mitch Effect some of these games in the second last, the penultimate weekend of the season. And I'm going to start with my guys, Witt, Ohio State, and Penn State, the, the noon kickoff on the East Coast in the Big Ten. Week before, Ohio State plays Michigan. 18-point favorites. It's just an incredible line, uh, an incredible mm-hmm. spread to look at on the surface. Ohio State did not cover 54 points last week against Rutgers, but other than that, they've been pretty <laughs> impeccable against the spread. Does this number seem a little too high for you? I know the Buckeye, Buckeyes are riding high. They do get Chase Young back this week, but Penn State, 18-point dogs. Is that uh, a little too much? I think so. I mean, I don't think Penn State looked all that great last week against they had Indiana at home. Obviously, Indiana has had a pretty solid season. And I think that, I guess looking forward a little, I think that Indiana will cover against Michigan this weekend. But I think that Penn State usually gets up for this game. Uh, 18 is a decent decent amount for sure. So, I don't know. I think that Ohio State probably is the best team in the country. I think they're they've looked better than LSU, to be honest, up to this point. But I just think that these two teams know each other pretty well, very familiar. It's Ryan Day's first game coaching against Penn State, so I'm not sure that they'll necessarily be firing on all cylinders. I I definitely expect them to win pretty handily, just maybe more of like a 14-point win instead of an 18-point win. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into this uh, a little 
in depth at times during the year, but I think te a teaser is great for this. If you can tease that down to 12, I like that. 18 is a lot. Mm -hmm. I think what the line reflects is two things. One is Penn State really isn't as good as they've been in years past. The Minnesota loss, no. they did beat Michigan. That was a, a quality win given how Michigan's played recently. But aside from that, it hasn't been that impressive, especially offensively impressive Penn State team. The other thing is, I mentioned him. I mean, Chase Young back on the field, that guy's a game wrecker. And, and I think that line probably bumped up about two, three points just because of him. And he's rested. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's rested. Penn State fans are furious. I think Ohio State covers in this one. Uh, you know, and, and I think that given what the over-under is in this one, which is about 57 and a half, it's tempting. It's tempting to say it, it might go over if Ohio State's offense is rolling, but you got to wonder what Penn State can do on that side of the ball too. So uh, I'm agreeing with you in that I don't know that Ohio State covers, but I think a two-score win is uh, is probable. Uh, I also agree mm -hmm. with the other thing you said. I do. One of my favorite bets this week is Indiana at home plus nine and a half. Oh, I love that against one. <laughs> Michigan. I think that's great for a variety of reasons. Number one being, you get that look ahead factor. You get the fact that Michigan's looking to play mm -hmm. Ohio State next week, and Indiana's played Michigan tough. I think in the last couple of years, have to double check that. But also Indiana, they've, they've been solid this year. They lost by Penn State to set, they lost by seven to Penn State last week, and. You know, they can play tough games at home given the bump. I mean, other than getting destroyed by Ohio State, they've been pretty respectable in all their games. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. That's all, all of the reasons I'm looking at them covering. Nate, I, I'm not sure if they win the game, but I think it's going to be close throughout, obviously, with it being a 9.5-point spread. So I think that might actually be the best bet of the weekend, to be honest. It's definitely in the running. For sure. Uh, and I do want to also point out another game that we just got to mention because it's the all-time record. We did confirm this. Biggest spread in conference in SEC history, LSU, is 43.5-point favorites against Arkansas. For the golden boot. <laughs> That's, I mean, Arkansas is oh, wow. the worst. Well, I would love to see Arkansas play Rutgers during bowl week. I just want to throw that out there. But Arkansas might there you be. Go. Might be one of the worst. <laughs> might be the worst SEC team we've ever seen, or at least in our lifetimes, given just how Definitely incompetent the they've been. Uh, fired their coach. Total disaster. I don't know that LSU covers. They're, they're probably just going to try to keep it safe and sturdy until the SEC title game. But uh, mm -hmm. wow, Arkansas just a disaster right now. Yeah, that one maybe you try and tease down to thirty-five. <laughs> even funny just to say that, but I did see that they're talking to. <laughs> They may be trying to bring back the uh, old coach. Houston Nutt might be coming back into the fold. Yeah, there you go. Hey, got to go back to the well if that, nothing else is working, I guess. I don't know. See what uh, Bobby Petrino is doing nowadays. <laughs> I don't think you want to. I, I think we got. I think he's banned from the state of Arkansas. I don't think he can uh, go back. Too many motorcycle accidents. So uh, another game that I'm going to be interested in uh, as we kind of just bounce around the country is the game we mentioned at the front, the uh, rivalry week taking a week too early, UCLA and USC at USC this year. Uh, early game, 1230 local out here. And with USC is a 13.5-point favorite. I don't think that's ever a good idea to give them that many points considering UCLA won the game last year and the fact that UCLA's been a lot USC better since never starting. covers. USC never covers, and UCLA's playing a lot better from that 0-4 start. Miraculously, USC is still alive for the Pac-12 running if they can get Utah to stumble up. Have to win this game, obviously. But 
I think I would like the Bruins in this one to make it close. This this has all the makings for a crazy, somewhat sloppy rivalry game to me. I definitely agree. And then with it being two teams in the same city, so no one ever really gets like too intense of a home field advantage. So I feel like that, that kind of evens it out a little. Joshua Kelly played great against SC last year when he run for like 220 yards, something yeah. like that against them. And <laughs> and UCLA won what like three games last year so yeah I like them to keep it close for sure I'm not sure I don't think that, that they'll win it but I think that they'll cover 14 easy I love the over in this one too I know it's pretty high like 65 I think but I feel like this mm-hmm. is going to be a shootout and you also got to consider USC last week against your Sun Devils started the game as perfect as possible and still was sweating it out at the end. Yeah, almost choked it away. <laughs> almost choked it away. And also, you mentioned the crowd. If USC starts to lose or starts to falter, you know there's going to be that split second where USC fans are like, good, fire Helton, get him out of here. <laughs> so yep. It's not going to be like, oh, we got this, we're going to be fine, or let's go, come on. It's going to be like, this is what we want in the back of our minds is him to be gone. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I would just be prepared They dropped for this anything. one. That's got to be probably the final nail, I would think. But, hey, I don't know. They've kept him around this long. So maybe with the new athletic director in place, they actually move on something else. But for the rest of the Pac-12 South, I mean, I'm totally okay with them keeping him. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much have to keep the coach until the end of the regular season unless it's the Arkansas situation where it's just a complete disaster and you just got to get him out of there immediately. So I, I think this right. is probably the nail in the coffin win or lose depending on you got to see what utah does but um not looking good for clay helton's future uh money mitch effect matt wittenberg as we talk college football getting ready for the final weeks of the season um all right we're going to disagree on one here i actually do think oregon covers against your boys 14 points (laughs) (laughs) and we mentioned it uh... i think it's the resume builder too oregon knows they have a real shot but they got to put on a show and if they win by three, seven points against Arizona State, that's not going to look good. No, it's not at all. Uh, I like that it's a night game or early evening night game. I guess it'll be night by the time the second half rolls around out there. Uh, prime time. ASU looked terrible. Lost what four in a row now, unfortunately. So, and it's all that comes down to bad starts i think we've been outscored something some crazy i don't know the exact number but in the first quarter we're being outscored by crazy amounts so look out for that come uh saturday night but if we somehow escape the first quarter down a score then i really really like our chance to cover i definitely don't think we're going to win but getting over two touchdowns worth of points at at home bodes well for us i don't think we've really been blown out except by utah whose defense was absolutely maulers Oregon has a really good defense too but I think just the game being at home makes it a little bit sways it a little bit more in our direction but it's gonna be interesting for sure uh Herbert's been a little bit inconsistent obviously the team's winning but you you just want to see a little more from him Mm -hmm. as he's like probably presumptive number one overall pick now with uh Tua going down with the injury so yeah, I mean, I feel like teams from the Pacific Northwest usually play pretty bad in the desert, like Washington's done historically yeah. bad. Oregon's lost a couple times out in out in Tucson to Arizona. So, I don't know. I think that it has the makings for some classic uh, Pac-12 after dark action. Maybe not a full-on <laughs> win, but I think I do think that ASU covers. 
some Pac-12 after dark. It'll be maybe maybe like Pac-12 after like uh, sunset or something. Dinner. <laughs> after dinner. Um, no, you bring up some good points. And the Utah game, you just got to throw out any Utah game for point totals for everybody because our defense doesn't really belong in the Pac-12, it seems like. Um, no. <laughs> I think Arizona State, you guys have done some things, especially offensively, but confidence is a little shaken right now. And uh, this is, you know, not not we talked about this. It's not the nail in the in the Herm coffin yet, but next year is going to have to be a big year for him. Uh, it just sucks that lose exactly. this game, and then it comes down to the rivalry game for bowl eligibility, which is not. Yeah, what that's, you want. I'm sure that's going to play in their minds for sure. So the coaches will use that for motivation. I mean, not that you should be motivated regardless to play top top ten team in your stadium in front of your home crowd, but. Hey, whatever they need to use to get motivated and up for it, I'm, I'll take it. But I, I really not expecting a win, but hopefully it's at least a competitive game. They are uh, all bull eligible in the Pac-12 as of uh, the second last week of the season, which is pretty ridiculous. But uh, you know, it's it shows you how just maybe not top heavy at the top. There's Utah and, and Oregon, but the rest of the conference is solid, not great, but solid uh, all the way top to bottom. And uh, it'll probably, uh, you know, bright, brighten your spirits knowing that uh, Arizona won't be bowl eligible after this week. <laughs> yeah, there's zero chance they beat Utah. So if you want to talk about that game, that's I, that one. That's part. a teaser one for me. Maybe my favorite teaser one of the week, uh, getting them from 23 down to 17. Love that. Uh, any more than three mm-hmm. scores with a team like Utah, I just feel like can end 21 to three, you know, something like that. So, um, yeah, I just... We've seen Arizona struggle, and when and when Tate tries to force it, when you know their skill guys don't have any space, Utah just smothers everybody. And, and I like Utah. The over under in that game is also, I think, fifty seven and a half. I think that might go way under. Um, but Utah, another team that has that. to win to keep going uh, and keep moving towards a potential playoff berth. Yeah, how intriguing would that Pac twelve game be though if both of them went out and there's actually like legitimate stakes in in it for for the first time really because it always seems like the Pac-12 championships like there's clearly one superior team to the other but in this case it would be two like as even teams as you could get so I'm, I'm definitely excited for it even yes. if it means that ASU has to lose so we'll and even, see and even if it's a 5 o'clock kickoff in, uh, in San Jose Santa Clara, Santa Clara and no <laughs> one's there at kick Larry Scott still got some work to do uh, for sure thank god there. it's going to move to Vegas next year That's that's all I have to say I know anything would be better than the current situation and uh, just getting to the stadium is the first step in moving into the right direction. So definitely something to consider. I do want to also mention another game as we keep going along here that's uh, got some of our uh, our friends' uh, attention. But the balls are moving up in the right direction. They're plus four against Missouri. I don't know what to expect mm. from this game. They're one win away from bowl eligibility. It'll probably happen against Vanderbilt next week, but... Could be an intriguing uh, potential for the Vols, and uh, our boy Sully has also tried to convince me that the smart play here is to add this to the teaser and get the Vols at plus 10, which might not be a bad idea. No, I could see them covering 10 for sure. Mizzou's been an interesting team this year. Obviously, Kelly Bryant's had some injury issues, but when he's been out there, he's he looked pretty good, so... I don't know. I think that that being on the road, I don't think Tennessee will win this game. But if you if you're spotting me ten points with them, I would take that for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, an SEC conference. Mizzou, what happened to them? I mean, they were supposed to be much much better 
just hasn't happened this year uh, at all for them. Uh, and uh, no, I just I, I agree. I think Tennessee on the up and up. It's funny how you got to just let these seasons play out. Pruitt, everyone was calling for his head, and he's actually turned them into a pretty confident team, uh, even in some losses as well. Uh, underratedly fun game this week with Navy SMU. That game should be uh, just no defense allowed <laughs> because I don't think either is going to be able to stop much with Navy a three-point favorite at home. Something fun to look at in that one. And, yeah, uh, you I know, love the American. Yeah, you got to. SMU has been one where uh, the other one that they're competing with is Memphis, who beat them. Memphis is a 14-point favorite on the road at South Florida. Memphis is playing for something, too, a New Year's Six Bowl if they went out probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They've looked really good, too. Brady White, former uh, ASU quarterback. So I like seeing him do well. And the Mike Norvell used to be ASU's OC, too. So it's always nice to see those guys do well. So definitely pulling for those uh, those Tigers. And I'm sure that Mike Norvell might actually be moving on to a Power, power 5 job uh, this next offseason. I mean, he deserves it with how much success he's had there. Yeah, there'll be a lot of opportunities for movement, uh, some jobs opening up. Uh, I guess we should talk about that right now. I'm still in the – I don't know if Urban really wants to go to USC or if he just likes his name being out there. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see if he wants to go back to the sideline just yet. But USC job looks like it'll be opening up. Um, You know, There's some other big jobs. Obviously, Arkansas is looking for a coach, Florida State. uh, And Michigan State might move on from D'Antonio. I'm just curious what that job would look like. Like, what type of candidate would they try to get? Would they be able to get? I, Michigan State's a fascinating job. Yeah, that's uh, as far as the Urban Meyer thing goes. There's, I mean, there's been a lot of smoke with that, so it's just it's really hard to say, right? I mean, obviously Clay Helton's still there for all intents and purposes, so no, no idea, no telling if that's even going to be an option, but. I mean, realistically, that would be the only job he would take, right? He'd just stay mm-hmm. on TV if, if nothing else was was right. there other than USC. So, I don't know. Dan, D'Antonio is a really interesting case, too, because he came out earlier this week and said that he's probably not going anywhere, and I'm sure <laughs> the guy basically is like the Ferens of Michigan State and just like decides when he wants to go or not. I'm not sure how well their leadership is in place there with all of the scandals and other issues similar to at USC that they've had going on. So hard to say whether he would leave too, but I mean, they've been just on such a steady decline the last like three, three or so years when, I mean, this, that team was in the playoffs, what, four, five years ago, four years ago. Yeah. I think, I think it was four. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I just think these jobs, like the ones I bring up, Michigan state and Arkansas, not, not like the dream jobs I would think. I mean, you're in the, the big 10 East, you know, the SEC West having to compete against all these powers every year. I mean, it's not That's a lot of tough sledding. It's a lot of tough sledding. Uh, we got to see. I mean, we're getting to that coach carousel movement stage. It's already kind of started spinning. So we'll keep up with that uh, here on the Money Mitch Effect with Matt Wittenberg. A few more games to get through. The Big 12 had a lot of turmoil uh, last week. What do you think about Oklahoma with TCU? Oklahoma back still alive in the playoff picture. Just barely, but hanging in there. 18-point favorites against TCU. I think they probably cover it. I don't think TCU is very good. I know that that they obviously have to make a statement, like you said, in order to stay in the playoff race, which, I mean, I think they're kind of out of it at this point. But I'm never going to underestimate a Lincoln-Riley offense, especially with the guts that they showed 
last weekend coming back against Baylor. So I, I think that they cover that. And TCU, I sort of like fringe follow this year because I have them in a, a nice. league where we do where we pick teams and add up the wins, and they've been just a colossal disappointment sitting at what five <laughs> wins right now so you expect more from a patterson team especially defensively but they haven't i don't know man that's it's not in the cards this year for the horn frogs no the defense actually has struggled by his standards and uh, they've lost some games they've needed to uh, get to that seven eight win threshold that they're going to fall short of this year i agree i like oklahoma to cover i think they bounce back and do well baylor gets texas i don't know what to expect in this game this is my stay away of the week baylor couldn't yeah, do no anything idea. right in the second half. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Texas is a shell of themselves with four losses already for our boy, uh, friend of the program, Tom Herman. Uh, Four-and-a-half points. <laughs> five-and-a-half points, excuse me. I just don't know what to expect in this one. I mean, I, I feel like Texas outright win could happen. Baylor could win by 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's really no, uh, no safe bet in this game at all. I mean uh, – Texas has been the most like up and down team all season. Uh, Baylor, no telling how they bounce back after the debacle that they had last weekend. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's literally flip a coin, and that's probably the best indicator of what's going to happen. We also have the uh, maybe one of the sadder editions of uh, the game between Cal and Stanford this year, <laughs> with Stanford being two and a half point favorites, and the over under sitting yeah. at forty. So get excited for that one. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a. I mean, I would take thunder in that game for sure. Those offenses are <laughs> pretty incompetent. Hey, I did one want... of the cooler trophies though. The yeah. Stanford X. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, it's very, uh, it's a very good one. Um, is that is this week also? Uh, we got Paul Bunyan's axe this week too, huh? Or is that next week? Next weekend. Next week, for okay. Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. my favorite for trophy. the Big Ten West. Yeah, it is, and that should be a good one there. Uh, and you know who the second-best team in the Pac-12 North is, right? I almost forgot this game. It's one of my favorite bets. Who's that, Oregon State? Oregon State, and I like them getting 11 <laughs> on the road against Washington State. Washington State, this is more of a bet, a vote of no confidence for Washington State. 11-point favorites at home. I feel like I would take the other team. You know, what's happened to them and Mike Leach this year? They've been just atrocious for most of the second half. Yeah, no more Minshew magic back there. I mean, Anthony Gordon's been putting up really good numbers, but it's just, like, not enough to overcompensate for what's been lacking on defense and just, yeah, not enough clutch finishing by them. I feel like they've lost a lot of close ones this year. But, sorry, little side note, going back to the Cal-Stanford thing, can you name the last year off the top of your head that Cal beat Stanford? Wow. Um, hmm. Okay, so I know it's. I knew it. I had to look it up. Yeah, so I know it. Well, I know when the the, the cutoff was that USC Cal one way traffic, so it was sometime within the last 15 years. Uh, I'll say like 06? A little later. Oh, what is that? When was it? 09. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Um,. So a decade, almost a decade of dominance by uh, the Cardinals. They gotta, they gotta beat them this year. I, I hope. I mean, I just, I think so. If they can't catch Stanford this year, it might not happen because this is one of the worst Stanford teams we've seen in a long time. Um, yeah. One other game I want to get your thought on is that Georgia A and M game. It's thirteen and a half. Georgia playing for something. A lot of points to lay though for an offense that it's getting better, but they kind of don't exactly run away from teams. No, they're, they're lean on their defense a lot, too. They're basically better Auburn, is the way I kind of look at <laughs> yeah. them. 
if yeah. Auburn had a quarterback. So, uh, I don't know. A&M's a, a weird team, too. They, they can score some points sometimes, but I don't know. I, I would probably avoid that one. Oh, yeah. Actually, I mean, you know what? I don't know. I, I think I if I had to make a pick in that game, I, I'd take uh, A&M at the plus 13 and a half, but I wouldn't be too thrilled about it. I would I'll go points. I would go points too, if only for the fact that Jimbo goes down to the wire trying to cover these games. He's losing. We saw it at Clemson earlier this year, so <laughs> I think he's trying to True. do that. Uh, and there was one I had to just throw in there because we always look for the degenerate bet of the week, and the one that we're on is the under in Florida Atlantic UT San Antonio. So if you really want for one, it's like <laughs> we're going for it this week. Only two weeks left. Got to have fun. Uh, Fifty-six and a half. All the odds and projections are pointing at the under, so it'll probably go over, but it'll be fun to just watch and have. You think uh, the lane train takes the takes his foot off the gas in that one? <laughs> he might. I don't know. The lane train's been down this year. It's been grounded. The engines <laughs> the engines not working. Um, but yeah, and uh, and there are a lot of uh, a lot of late night bailout games, as I like to call them. Pac twelve after dark and some late ones ending with Hawaii San Diego State airing on Facebook at eight p.m. Pacific time. So. You know I'll be paying attention <laughs> to that one. Got to get those eyeballs. <laughs> Got to get those eyeballs. Well, Whit, this was a blast. Uh, last thing before I let you go, what do you think the playoff is going to be when all said and done? Who are the four teams that are going to make it? All right. Uh, I mean, I think we're in pretty staunch agreement on this from top to bottom. I think by the time everything wraps up, I think Ohio State will be number one. I think LSU will be two. Clemson, three. And then Pac-12 champ, and I'll say it's—I kind of like Utah to win the the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know, just something about no. their defense being that good. Their That's good, man. Been doing enough, so I—you you know what? Yeah, I'll say I'll say Utah sneaks in at that four spot. Yeah, I don't trust Georgia to beat LSU, uh, even if LSU might be playing at 80-90%. I just don't think Coach O will let them get to 80-90%. He'll threaten to just hurt everybody if they don't play hard. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I agree. I'm going to say Oregon, uh, and it's a it's a coin flip between Oregon and Utah. I just think Oregon can put up the points. USC beat Utah, and I think if you get some points on them early, their offense can't really play catch up. Uh, but that that's, that's the game I want to see. That'd be the most most exciting Pac-12 title game in a long time. I mean, if you if you put in like the McCaffrey lighting up USC game, but that was just to see him like for the game perspective. One of the best Pac-12 yeah, title exactly. games we could see. So, I'm looking forward yeah, send, to it. Uh, send Santa Clara out with the bang. <laughs> they deserve it, right? All the loyalty there. Um, all right, Matt <laughs> Wittenberg, Money Mitch Effect, this was good. Uh, sad that college football season's getting to an end, but uh, we're going to go out strong with some big rivalry games. So, appreciate you coming uh, yes, on the sir. show. And end bowl season. Oh, I can't wait for that. But thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Anytime, Mitch. All right, huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg for coming on and talking college football. Always a pleasure. We'll see if he is right and his Sun Devils will bounce back uh, and and cover. (laughs) But I don't know. I think Oregon's pretty tough. But Ohio State playing, can't wait for that one. A lot of good college football playoff pictures shaping up. I'm sad that the season's ending, but excited for what's going to come. Now let's go to the pro game, the NFL with Chris Miller. We break down another wild week in the NFL and look really ahead to this weekend where a lot of big games are taking place. 
We're all looking at that Packers-Niners game. But the Seahawks get the Eagles, Patriots, and Cowboys as well. We break down all that, all the storylines. Miles Garrett's throwing his helmet. My thoughts on that. It's Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, talking NFL football, and we are 11 weeks in. Almost Thanksgiving. It's getting crazy. Chris Miller on the line talking about the NFL season. Chris, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Hey, always a pleasure to be here, man. Yeah, I noticed a little little, uh, little optimism in your voice. I, I think you got a pep in your walk. The Raiders are 6-4. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I may have seen you skipping uh, down Venice Boulevard today. I don't know, but six and four. A lot of people didn't think that the Raiders would even get to six wins on the season. And Chris, I know you were not the most optimistic going into this regular season. At least yeah. they would be this good. They've, I mean, for me, and I'm pretty sure for you, blown away all expectations. Just a half game out of first place in the division. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is a team that I was more or less expecting to probably end up right around third in the division let's be honest i had a feeling this was going to be a runaway for the chiefs like it was last year um the Chargers would probably be a couple games back of them and then maybe the and then the raiders and the broncos would probably be fighting you know to not be in the bottom spot but six and four right now uh yeah a season that i was expecting them maybe to be six and ten five and eleven this is pretty awesome yeah, and, and I just want to put it into full perspective for the Raiders. Um, this happens in the NFL a bunch, Chris. I think you'd agree. The schedule hasn't been that tough. So that there has been some fortune there. They're beating teams that they should beat. And, yeah. and Gruden has his team playing well. It's funny that, you know, for all the flack he's taken for some of his methods and, and how he helped build the roster, him and, and Mayock and some of the personnel guys, this team plays for each other. They don't have the big names. They might not be the flashiest team, but you can see that they play for each other. They're getting the best out of every player, and a lot of their players are young. So that would be the most optimistic thing for me looking at this Raiders team is that the foundation is, is kind of set in place for a good run, not just a flash-in-the-pan success. They're looking a lot more like an old-school Raiders team. You know, um, Even when they were last in the Super Bowl, even though everyone wants to talk about Rich Gannon – no one really talks about how good their running game was that year. And that was sort of what set up his ability to have such a great year passing. And again, that was under Coach Gruden. And here you see him building a very similar style team. The defense is good, not great, although they played, they've been playing really well lately. But it all starts with that offensive line and, and really Josh Jacobs just gashing yards and yeah. uh, setting up. Um, a lot more manageable second and third downs. Clearing away the uh, offensive rookie of the year so far. We'll see if anybody, one of the quarterbacks, makes a late push. But he's been the guy. Uh, Carr's played well. Hasn't been yeah. as aggressive, which is okay. And yeah. this is a team that, you know, you can say on the negative side, glass is half empty. They're in a lot of close games, but they're doing well in a lot of close games. So they're showing that they can play well down the stretch. Part of this is the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, I look at the Chiefs and, and – you know, they've lost four games that wasn't expected, the Mahomes injury. I think mm -hmm. we, we're realists here. We don't expect the Raiders to win the division, but 10, maybe even nine wins could get you into the playoffs in the AFC. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, they're they're definitely uh, 
looking at a potential wild card spot. Maybe the division. We'll see. I mean, they play the Chiefs in two weeks in in Kansas City. Yeah, obviously that, they, they'd have to have game. that one if they want to win the division. They can't be, you know, losing oh, the series. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I just think, and and this isn't even a, a knock if they are. You know, eight and six going into the final two weeks of the season. I mean, who saw that coming? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like you're right I, I, there I, in the thick of it. Even even I didn't see that happening, and it, a lot of credit goes to good coaching and young players stepping up and playing like they're veterans. And I know we talk a lot about Josh Jacobs as offensive rookie of the year. I'm going to throw out Max Crosby as a potential defensive rookie of the year. Oh yeah, not that far off. He's got six well, and a half. Sacks. I should say there's he's one a, guy. He's the second best. Yeah, I mean he's he's not. But don't forget, he also wasn't a starter at the beginning of the season. He was maybe a third down lineman. He didn't really start starting games until closer to I think around week four. So he's he's playing great football. He had a huge game against Cincinnati. He had a, another big game against the Chargers, and he's really coming into his own. And he's been a lot of fun to watch. I would I would actually amend that because Bosa obviously, but uh, yeah. Josh Allen and Jacksonville. I talked about this weeks ago. He's um, he's really good already too, uh, mm-hmm. so he's another one. But yeah, you're right. I mean Crosby is a uh, is a heck of a player. They drafted well. Uh, just yeah. turning our attention to the Chiefs, though. You know they win that close game against the Chargers and uh, mm-hmm. in Mexico City. It was a lower scoring game for their offense. On one side, you're you're happy that the defense played well if you're a Chiefs fan, but this yeah. team, this team's kind of leaving a lot more to be desired, wouldn't you say? I mean, it, it, it's they're seven and four; they're still atop the division. But yeah, after last year, people had a lot of high hopes, and I don't think they've reached that potential yet. Yeah, I mean, their offensive line hasn't been playing the best, and Tyreek Hill being you know on and off the field with injuries, I think definitely hurt them. Patrick Mahomes has obviously hasn't been a hundred percent most of the year. He was missed a few games and then, you know, he's just been playing, I think, with nagging injuries, just playing through the pain. So that definitely sets you back and their defense again, yeah, they had a good game yesterday against a pretty bad Chargers team, but this defense has really not been helping them out much. Yeah, injuries to Hill, Mahomes banged up, Damian Williams was hurt last game, and a mm-hmm. defense that's not really constructed to stop a lot of high-powered offenses. Uh, I think they'll be I okay. Know, just, I mean, look, here's the problem. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, here's a problem for you, though, Chris. Uh, yeah. That Raiders game is after the Chiefs bye. It's yes, after it is. Andy Reid bye. And uh, history yep. uh, does not look kindly on the Raiders going into it a does. game. It does. Yeah, it's after a bye, and it's on the road. It's going to be a tough, tough game. I think the Raiders are going to have to go into New York this week and really just take it to the Jets and carry that momentum into Kansas City the next week. If they have another game kind of like they did this week against Cincinnati, then they're definitely in for a rough time in in KC. That's a trap game. I mean, I know the Jets aren't amazing, but they played a lot better at home, you know, and and the Raiders, you don't want to be looking ahead to that Chiefs game as well. Uh, The other big story this week um, that I want to talk about was the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, Chris. That game was supposed to be like a showdown, and the Ravens just kicked the crap out of the Texans for four quarters. Uh, on one hand, <laughs> on, yeah. on one hand, you got to give it up for the Ravens' defense because lost in all this, Lamar Jackson deservedly so praised, is that they have been getting better each week on defense. 
Oh, so yeah. props to them for, for shutting down Houston. But Lamar Jackson is 1A, 1B with Russell Wilson for the MVP right now. And yes. I'll, I'll just say, at this point, it doesn't really matter how accurate he is if he's able to make the plays that he does because the scheme, the, the player in Lamar Jackson, the offensive pieces around him, everything's working, and they are a full-fledged machine and a scary NFL team right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're the only team so far who really put a hurt on New England, who everyone was sort of looking at going possibly undefeated again this year. I mean, I know that was sort of a long shot, but, I mean, they really put a beatdown on on the Patriots. They put a real serious beating on, on Houston this weekend. I mean, Houston's got a pretty solid offense, and they held them to seven points, and Lamar Jackson – God, he is fun to watch, and he, yeah, he put on yet another clinic. Greg Roman's offense working uh, to perfection. Mark Ingram is looks like he's a little lighter out there, and yeah. it's a perfect scheme for him there. Uh, and look, what do you do for? I mean, look, everybody has been nitpicking how accurate Jackson is. I only bring that up because the scheme around him is perfect for a quarterback that may not be the most accurate. Because yeah. they're going to stretch the field with the deep receivers like Hollywood Brown. They got Andrews and the tight ends they love to go to, and they got a running game and a running system that works. Uh, I was just, uh, I, you know, at this point, I don't want to say I'm numb to it, but I'm come to expect Lamar Jackson to be an amazing playmaker. I was more impressed <laughs> with that Ravens defense that beat up uh, a Texans O line that is still their Achilles heel. They cannot yeah. protect Deshaun Watson the way they need to be if they want to be more than just an occasional, you know, frisky team. If they want to actually contend, they're going to have to do better than that. I think Larry Tunsil was pretty beat up going into that game, so I think that definitely didn't help an already maligned Texans offensive line. But kudos to, to the Ravens. You know, Harbaugh has been one of the best coaches since he came into the league and, you know, proving to get it again with the showing off with this young quarterback, getting that defense playing well. And, yeah, I think the Patriots have a lot to be afraid of. Even if they have a playoff game in Foxborough, I don't think – Baltimore is afraid of of Foxborough because they're a cold weather team too. It's not like they're, you know, coming from Los Angeles or, you know, someplace warm. They're going to be coming from the cold and I think they're going to give the Patriots a run for their money. I know we're still kind of looking ahead to it. There's still some some things to be decided, but I do think that Belichick has some tricks up his sleeve for defending Lamar Jackson. Not saying they're going to work. Sure. But they're that game that they had a couple weeks ago, that was not 100% Bill Belichick. And I think he, he realizes that there could be a rematch. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there is probably no combination between Brady and Belichick that are harder to beat twice in one season in the NFL right now. And especially because he'll get ample time to really game plan for them. I'm sure he probably is already looking ahead to Baltimore in the playoffs and he's starting to get things ready, and it's going to be a, a fun game if it comes to that. I think that's what we're all assuming it'll come to, and if it does, I think that's going to be a, a really good playoff game for sure. A lot remains to be seen. Chris Miller here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, so we know the Ravens are pretty much locked up that division, the AFC North. The AFC South, for all intents and purposes, we're back to it being uh, the most uh, interesting, debatable division race with all four teams within two games of each other. I know. The Texans and Colts at 6-4, and four, Titans at 5-5, five and five, Jaguars still alive, barely, even after yeah. last week's drumming at 4-6. and six. 
Uh, I think we're at a point now my statement would be the Colts appear to me to be the most complete team, which doesn't necessarily say as much, but the most complete team in this division. Mm-hmm. Barring they can overcome the injury bug. Mac's going to be out for a long time. Brissett yes. played well, but he is banged up coming back from an injury. I like the Colts to win this division with the caveat being they're one in, they're one more injury away from the house of cards effect where everything just crumbles. But I would say Colts would be my pick going forward. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. For the same reasons you talked about, I think the Colts are from top to bottom, you know, in all three facets of the game, the the better team. I know Vinatieri sort of had his struggles this year, which is crazy to say. But other than that, I mean, for the most part, all three facets of the game, they've been playing really well. The defense has actually been, I think, one of the, the bigger surprises. They've played really well this season. And um, Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> you know, everyone was supposed to be talking about Andrew Luck this year. You know, if he was playing, like how good he is, then he retires. And we're talking about how, oh, poor Colts. You know, if only they had Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett, you know, he uh, flipped the script on everybody. And um, kudos to him. He's uh, he's having a great year. He really is. Uh, and just again, I say get healthy, get back on the field. Yeah. And, uh, you know, give the Colts a chance. Their defense is playing well. Uh, the running game, I think they'll be able to, with Hines and with some other options, be okay uh, in yeah. that one. Uh, I think I, I just want to you know, it's in the past. I wanna I wanna bring up the Miles Garrett thing really quick. <laughs> because look, only the Browns could win a game that it, big and still somehow make isn't it. That, it's, bad. it's my first reaction was upset that now this is everything everyone's going to be talking about. Not yeah. a big win over a division over my most hated rival in sports. We can't be talking about that. Um, I'm just going to... Well, half the Steelers were a practice squad by the time that game... It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Uh, this is all I'm going to say. Garrett shouldn't have done it. It was it was terrible. Uh, he got punished. He deserves to be punished. Um, you know, I think the season is more than fair. I don't know about indefinite into next year. Uh, were there in, was, was Rudolph instigating it? Was he acting a little punkish? Sure. That's not an excuse for him doing it. Uh, so let's just... He'll... He'll do his time, and he'll move on. I'm not in the camp of this is the most horrific thing, criminal charges. How am I going to explain this to my nephew and and kids? Like, no, like little kids out there, like, no. Like, it it was a bad, terrible thing. He deserves to be punished. He's going to be punished. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think suspend him for the rest of the year. He should be playing next season. Clearly, he made a very poor decision. Rudolph got hurt. He, I don't. I don't know the extent of how badly he hurt him. I mean, I'm sure it didn't feel good. And honestly, when he ripped the helmet off of him, that should have been the moment where he stopped. But I don't know if Rudolph said something to him, or if it was Pouncey or someone. Like something clearly, you could see he was standing there, and something set him off at the end. And yeah, it sucks because the defense, I think, in some ways for the Browns has been their one good moment. That and Chubb. And this is definitely a big dent out of uh, out of that defensive line because I mean he's when he's in the game he's a beast and he's towards the top of the league in sacks this year I think he was close to ten if I remember correctly mm-hmm. so definitely a big loss for for that defense yeah I, I think too uh, also as you know I I can't say in the Steelers but Pouncey reacted like I would ever a lot of people would have they just blacked out when they saw it and, and started fighting. 
Uh, yeah. So no no issue there with his reaction. I think it's a normal, almost normal one on a football field. If there's a silver lining to this, it was the first time I saw all year Baker show some real leadership in how he answered the question after the game. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because that was the one point that even Cowherd made the next morning when he was talking about it was that, hey, this is the first time at least – so far that Baker's actually sounded like a quarterback, like the leader of a team in, in responding to the press when it came to that scenario. And hopefully, you know, it's a, a catalyst for him to sort of um, step up and start to be that guy. And they're definitely going to need him to, you know, with the defense going to be taking that huge dent. So maybe this is, uh, you know, he takes away from that win and learns to be a better leader and, helps the Browns, you know, get better. You know, they have a lot of potential. They're not playing up to it, but when they're on, they're fun to watch. They are very fun to watch. Let's hope that it keeps going when they're on. Uh, but a lot of times this year, they made me want to pull my hair out. So, uh, yeah. we'll see what the next, uh, we'll see what the next game brings. Just give Miami. the ball to Nick Chubb. Can we it's just, not that it's, hard. just, it's just not let that Chubb hard. on the ball. Like just give him the ball like 30 times. You know, let Kareem Hunt run it another 20 times and let Baker throw it 20 to 25 and call it a day. And I think that's their formula, but they don't they, they don't want to do that. They've got too many flashy receivers that they want to feed. Well, we'll move on to the NFC East. I've said my piece on, uh, on Miles Garrett and the Browns, <laughs> a, a win that was marred in controversy. So just typically on brand for the Browns can't even win the right way. Uh, the <laughs> NFC East, the Eagles, or they lost to the Patriots, uh, Dropped to five and five. Mm-hmm. Cowboys beat the Lions. They're up a, a half game. Beat them in the first head-to-head matchup of the season for the Eagles in that Pats game. No, uh, no shame in losing a close game to the Patriots and, and how good that defense is. But the Eagles have yeah. an issue at the receiver position, and I just don't see a way this long-term effect is going to work with their offensive skill players. I can't see them contending for anything this year unless they get some reliable playmakers. Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz is a is a good quarterback, but he's got to have someone to throw the ball to, right? You know, and they've had injuries at the running back. Offensive line's at least been better this year than they have in the past, but the Eagles are kind of an enigma, right? I mean, I feel like at the beginning of the season, they were one of those teams that you circled like, okay, hey, this is going to be a team. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl, but they're going to contend. They're going to be exciting. They're going to possibly win this division, and now you're kind of looking like, maybe i don't know i mean it depends like it feels like it should be dallas's division but even dallas at times well that's the thing you want to take it like neither of these teams are willing to like you know go full throttle and step on throats and just put it away if it was a more yeah if it was a more respectable team in terms of just consistently putting together and living up to their putting together solid efforts and living up to their potential is there anybody that would like we would all say dallas is the better team. Like, you watch them play at their peak. Dallas seems yeah. like a better football team. But defensively, they had breakdowns in that Lions game with Jeff Driscoll and both Scarborough backups that were, in Scarborough's case, yeah. recently signed that were gashing them. But Dak looked amazing. And Dak has played very well this year, a top-five quarterback, mm-hmm. at least in fantasy, but definitely putting up numbers. But offensively, the game plan's kind of been all over the place at times. So... I still like Dallas to win this division, but yeah, there's reason to worry because I don't trust Jason Garrett and his staff, and the defense has been shaky at times. So 
I still yeah. think the Eagles can give them a game in that rematch in Philadelphia, but uh, they, I mean, Aguilar and, and whoever else are throwing the ball, to, they, Wentz can only really go to the tight ends consistently. They have no wideouts. Yeah, and Zach Ertz is currently their their number one receiver, 621 yards, but only two touchdowns. So, yeah, they definitely need to figure out something. I mean, maybe they should have made more of a move for Josh Gordon when they had the chance. I don't know. But definitely got to figure that out. And I mean, Deshaun Jackson being hurt definitely doesn't help not having that guy to stretch the field for you. Yeah, but, um, but he hasn't played all year. And yeah, this isn't new. He's been hurt. he's an older receiver that's had injury issues Um, so for them to I mean rely on him Alshon Jeffrey looks broken down as well Uh, not good Um, especially a game where your secondary actually plays well for a change and I worry that Dallas is going to get New England's best shot now that they struggled on offense against Philly so um, a chance for a chance for the Patriots to help out the Eagles this week in terms of Dallas Uh, the NFC best shot on offense to look like right now you know (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question. But with that defense, I don't know how good they necessarily have to be. Uh, That NFC South with the Saints bouncing back after a strange loss last week to the Falcons. The Falcons winning another game. Both the Panthers and and Bucks drop again. But how about about Michael Thomas, man? Like, we got to just really start putting into perspective what he's doing. 94 catches through 10 games. Yep. I mean, it's... Almost 1,200 yards. I mean... Come on. And he had a tweet today. I want to give him a shout-out, not just because he's an Ohio State guy, but someone brought up about how his stats have gone, has been trajecting upward, upward, even after he signed that mega deal, the $100 million contract, how his stats continue to increase. And he replied Mm -hmm. to the writer, the analytics guy, I don't remember who actually tweeted it, but he replied, that's how business is supposed to work. (laughs) I thought that was perfect. (laughs) You give a guy a lot of money and he performs for that contract. I thought it was a perfect response. The Saints are uh, are back to rolling and uh, are a legitimate threat in this conference. I think it's ridiculous to expect teams to win every game. If they're 13-3, 14-2, which is definitely in play, they're going to be just fine for that buy and, and seeing what happens from there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, with the Saints, big ups to their offense as always, but how about that defense? I mean, they've been playing great, you know, and they were a big part of the reason why they were able to hold it down while Breeze was out. And then, of course, obviously Bridgewater uh, as the backup came in and he played great. He's going to – I think he's going to get himself paid next season. Uh, I don't see him sticking around as a backup to Drew Breeze. He's going to get some starter money somewhere. So, yeah, they're dangerous. I think they're one of those teams that people are sort of sleeping on. You know, they're they're good, but people don't really think about the Saints as much. And they're 8-2, and two, and – the Niners get a lot of the deservedly a lot of the credit in the NFC. Uh, the Seahawks are getting you know some deserved credit, but I think the Saints are are a scary team, and uh, they're definitely one to look out for. I would be shocked if they're not at least the two seed. That Seahawks, Niners, Ram, even Rams division, and, and the Cardinals are frisky. They play each other; they could beat each other up. The Vikings are yeah. a formidable threat for the Packers. Even the Lions can put up points and do some things. So. I think the Saints, I, I think they get to at least 13 wins this year, and that should be good enough. Maybe, you know, maybe not 14, but I think they can go 5-1 and one down the stretch with them and Breeze back. So, um, Yeah, I mean, Green Bay's got to, you know. We'll see this week. Teams. We got two of those top division leaders playing each other this week, so somebody yeah. has to lose that one. 
Somebody's uh, got to lose, I know. It's going to be fascinating for sure. And uh, Chris, quickly, is there anybody that was more upset that they had to keep playing in light of injury than uh, Kyle Allen? <laughs> Because he wasn't able to, he wanted to, I think he wanted to, you know, strike while the iron's hot and be the backup that comes in, wins a few games. But he's yeah. been pretty bad the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it turns out Cam Newton might be still the future of the Panthers, should they want to keep him. So, uh, Kyle yeah. Allen proving that he was just kind of a little flash in the pan. For sure. I, I, don't, I think had Carl Allen been playing better, I think we would have, we could have been saying, yeah, I think Cam's gone. But the fact that he's struggled as of late uh, definitely looks like, yeah, Cam was probably going to be the, the future or I mean, the present and future, you know, he's, of that he's organization. He's not as bad as he's played. He's somewhere in the middle, you know. He, he's, not yeah. a, he's not a legit starter, I don't think, but he's a guy that can come in and win you a few games. I'd love to have him as a backup, but I just don't see Kyle Allen as that transformational uh, quarterback that after one or two good starts, which a lot of people can have in this league, they thought he was. Uh, speaking of that yeah. NFC West, Chris, the Niners barely beat the Cardinals. We're very fortunate to win that game. And, yes. And uh, with the Seahawks on the bye week, that was a big win for them to stay one up in the division race. Yeah. I didn't think this far into the season that the key weak link would be the quarterback position, but that's where we're at with Garoppolo not exactly being the reason for success. Yeah, but, I mean, he's – He's not exactly killing them, like you know, it's, like it's close in, 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 in Los Angeles. But well, that's true. But yeah. uh, but there was there are a couple throws each game where you're like, whoa. And I know you can say this about certain quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff come to mind for me, and Rivers. But yeah, there's some there's some things that need to be cleaned up. If we're talking if we're talking about a championship contender versus right. a, a feel good story of an 11 and five season back in the playoffs because. It will tighten up. We know this in the playoffs, and those mistakes oh, have to sure. be cut out. Oh yeah, but I mean, fortunately for him, he's got a defense that's playing outstanding. I mean, this is looking a lot like the the Harbaugh defense that you know was winning playoff games and going to the Super Bowl. So fortunately for him, like they're there as sort of that safety net to bail him out when he does screw up. And but yeah, I mean. Look, I think Garoppolo's a good quarterback. I, I've always said I, I think he's good, not great. If he if he's making these same sort of decisions in the playoffs, you know, we'll see. They're playing the Packers this week. I think that's going to be a good a good test for both sides of the ball, and also you know a potential playoff matchup. So, you know, let's see how he plays in you know a big time game on Sunday night and go from there. But yeah, he definitely has to clean up some of these mistakes for sure. He does. Uh, a team that won last week in a terrible-looking game was the Rams over the Bears. And I think this is the case uh, yeah. of being disappointed and still in victory. A lot to clean up. The yeah. Rams just don't have it. I mean, offensively, nope. it's just <laughs> not there. And at 6-4, and four, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe it'll come around. They can figure it out. This division is so tough, even with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray looking kind of fun, that you wonder... You know, they lost to that Steelers team that you mentioned being resembling a practice squad. I just don't think the Rams are going to regain it. Part of it might be Goff not looking as good, Gurley's injury. It's yeah. also the, the injuries to the receiving core. I mean, Woods missed the game. Cooks is coming back finally. Um, maybe it's teams with better scouting figuring it out, how to play them like the Bears were playing with their front loaded uh, with more down linemen, but whatever it is, the Rams are clearly not the same team, and uh, I'm 
very doubtful that they get back to that that high level greatest show on turf 2.0 uh, style of play that they had. Yeah, I mean, and I remember the bit of that game that I was able to watch. They were talking about how the Bears were playing a very similar defensive style to what the Patriots used in the Super Bowl. And basically, yeah, they, they shut down any semblance of the run game and they're forcing Goff to beat them. And right now he's just, he's not doing it. That run game, while maybe better than it was earlier, really it's it's still pretty bad. And uh, I'm surprised mostly the, the defense hasn't been playing as great as they should, but the, they have. I mean, sure, they, they played pretty good against the Bears, but that Bears offense is <laughs> not good. So... They might have to score more than, what, 17 to beat the Ravens on Monday night. Just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling that's, that that 17 won't do it against Baltimore. Might not do it against a lot of teams in this league, unfortunately. That, uh, that, you know, that Bears situation with uh, Matt Nagy and Trubisky, uh, that, that didn't look like a coach taking somebody out because of an injury, that conversation they had. They he had a hit pointer. You heard him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't believe what a head coach says. Crazy, isn't no. it? Well, that's surprising coming from a Browns fan. But uh, yeah, that definitely felt like it was a, a like a disciplinary not not for bad behavior. But I mean, for- he hasn't played well, obviously. But what a weird time, you know, to pull pull him out in that game. And and, yeah. and this just goes back to what I was saying. It doesn't look like he's been the is he's the answer long term, but Nagy has to shoulder, I think, as much blame because his offensive game plans have just been terrible. You know, you yeah. invest in David Montgomery, and then you know, obviously he didn't play last game, but the, the the lack of discipline to give the ball to the run has just not been there. Um, you know, I I I swore him off when they lost that Chargers game when he laid up for a forty five yard field goal. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I'm certainly not going to like give up on Trubisky as a quarterback just yet. It's only his second year. It could just be one of those things where he just needs to get the right coach, the right system. You know, Alex Smith was like that when he first came into the NFL. He was a first overall pick, kind of struggled. And then Harbaugh came in and Mm -hmm. uh, changed the game plan, changed the system, made him a very run forward with Gore and, you know, Smith just had to do more shorter passes and just be short, quick, and accurate. And it could be one of those situations for Dubisky, hard to say, or he could just be bad. But I, I think that right now time will tell. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears are looking in the draft for a quarterback in the next, you know, year or two. But – We'll see. I mean, yeah, maybe they just need a better offensive plan. That's what it feels like. They they should be feeding that run a lot more for sure. Yeah, year three, so maybe it is time. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out in this division to Kirk Cousins for the comeback. Funny how <laughs> we all leave him for dad. He just keeps putting together great weeks, and the Vikings are uh, in that wild-card position because of him and that yeah. uh, offense finding its mojo after a weirdly getting destroyed by the Bears, and since then they've just been a, a juggernaut. So, Vikings yeah. in good position. And but think, how about a, a, that Vikings defense should not have allowed Denver's offense to put up 23 points on them. I mean, Denver, that, Denver's 3-7, and seven and they could be at least 6-4. and four. Yeah. You're talking about three 
at least this counting this one, you know, having all those chances at the goal line, the uh, the Bears game where Panera kicked the 50 yard winning field goal, and then the Jaguars game where all that rough. Uh, there, that's three games that could have easily been a coin flip the other way. So uh, I don't think they're that great, but that is uh, some. That's the NFL, man. One play here or there. Speaking of uh, close games, here's a just a random factoid I'm just going to throw out real quick. It's non sequitur. I heard today that with uh, the loss yesterday, Philip Rivers has had 61 losses in his career of seven points or less. Wow. He, he I mean, <laughs> this feels like the end, doesn't it? Are we going to cue the boys to men and start singing? Or, I mean, this feels like we're getting down to Rivers oh, yeah, at the yeah, end of the road. Yeah, strike up the 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 hearse, man. It's he, he's done. <laughs> he he looked he looked like he was washed up last night, and that was against a bad Chiefs defense. He just his throwing form looked weird. He looked like he couldn't move very well. I hate to feel bad for Philip Rivers. You know the amount of times that he's said so many just just bad things about the Raiders but you have to kind of feel bad that he just looks like he's just done you know mentally and physically well I'm gonna miss those uh weird gif reactions so whenever it is fun (laughs) uh Chris Miller Money Mitch effect let's just look at this week's slate briefly we touched on a lot of it but um a lot of big games this weekend oh Uh, yeah a lot of them interesting uh especially some trap games we mentioned Jets Raiders Saints Panthers could be trapalicious. I'm looking at Eagles Seahawks, uh, which got flexed out of the night game. Eagles really yeah. need to win this game. They're actually favored in it. Seattle has been that team, Chris, that doesn't really blow anybody out. So I'm expecting this one to go down to the wire with Russell Wilson. Uh, and obviously the Sunday night game with Niners and Packers is Whew. that's the game you're looking at. I'm watching that game. I'm kicking the the family out of the front room. That's it. My time. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting a TV dinner, <laughs> and I'm watching that. I mean, come on, like Packers Niners has been a great rivalry since going back to the, you know, Steve Young and Brett Favre era. Yeah. You know, these teams always bring it when they're playing each other. It's they always do. seems to be bitter. It's almost, I would say, surpassed Niners Cowboys. Niners Seahawks is too new. But this is this is a good rivalry game, and I think this is going to be a fun one. You know, two two teams that are playing at a high level. It's going to be good. Patriots Cowboys will be good. Also, see if the yeah. Patriots offense gets back on track. What is Dallas doing a big uh, non-conference matchup, so to speak, with that? I need the Browns to just beat the Dolphins to not to avoid disaster <laughs> and avoid ruining my weekend. And uh, Monday night Ravens Rams. This is uh, yeah. this is. Uh, reflection time this is time to look in the mirror for the rams a win right yeah. here an improbable win against the ravens and they're back on track to do some stuff this year that could turn their whole season around i don't think it will happen but <laughs> i don't see them winning that one no and also i mean thursday night kicking it off colts texans that could be a really good game could yeah, be could be I, first place thursday night, thursday in the division. it is thursday night the color rush is always fun we like colors we're pro colors here on this podcast. Uh, last question. Are they going to like all red or are they going to come out in all blue? What are they going to do? You can't do red versus blue. That's not fair to people that are colorblind. That's true. Well, but the Colts could come out in all white though. Yeah. Some, yeah. That's what white and red or it'd probably be like the white versus the, the Navy blue. I would guess something like that. Um, Chris, last question. We talked about this before we recorded. 
yeah. we're a couple years removed from your from your famous Colts dress bet where the Colts were dead and buried, <laughs> and you said I'll wear a dress if they make the if they yeah. go to the Super Bowl. They actually finished like one game out of the playoffs. They went on a win streak at the end. Yeah, they made it scary, didn't they? <laughs> Uh, so I thought, to be fair, not a dress bet, and uh, we've kind of gone over the terms, but we rehashed them. But I was asking you to think of a team that's somewhere within contention that you're convinced won't not only make the playoffs but win a game, win a game in the wild card round. So who do you think a team is that's at least 500 or better that you're just hmm. out on? There's like You're like, no way, this isn't happening, not this year. You know what? I mean, I could take like, – they said they had to be at least 500, right? At I mean, least I could 500. Take- yeah. I was thinking, like, I'm just going to take the cop out, and I'm going to say, oh, Tennessee, mm-hmm. right? Okay. You know, Pittsburgh, right? But you know what? I'm not going to take the cop out on this one, Mitch. I'm yeah. gonna. I'm actually going to say the Rams. Wow. I was actually hoping you would pick them. Yeah. That's, that's a good one now because it's 6-4. and four. They're not dead. They're only a game out of the wild card, at, at that second wild card, I believe. Yeah. So, okay. We'll not win a playoff game. Now yeah. – the term of this bet is you have to have some sort of garb, and we'll get to the fine-tuning of it later if this approaches, but yeah. some sort of dress-up as a ram. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to incorporate the mascot. Like horns or something? Some sort of thing where you have to do a day with wearing horns, or we, we can go over it. It's not to full-on embarrass you, but just embarrass you a little bit, so... Yeah, I'm, has I'm to... okay with that. If you could find one of those old school, like blue, like baseball caps with the horns on them, yeah, like that. Or you know what? If you can make me a watermelon head, I'll, I'll wear that. You know, one of the something like that. There has to be, and it's it, it has to be a formal setting. This isn't just the day where you're around in your couch. There has to be a public appearance. Now we yeah, can negotiate I'll, I'll the term. This could be a work setting, or you know, just yeah. a day out might be fun. We schedule something where we can get some photos out of it, but. You have to go full, just dressed up as a ram on like a Thursday night or something. That'd be really funny. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so that's a good one. The Rams out on them. Okay, well we're gonna have to monitor that one. And uh, I mean, go big or go home, Mitch. I mean, I, I think that there's too many easy picks of the 500 teams. You know, and I I think the I could say the Raiders too, but I don't want to bet yeah. against my own team. So I'm gonna bet against the Rams instead. Titans would have been the cop out. Um, I applaud you for taking the Rams. They're uh, actually, you know, now they're looking at they're like two games out. I should say of the wild card, but it's possible yeah. they go on that run here. They beat the Ravens. The Vikings, I don't think are going to. If just they run beat the, the Ravens, I'll rethink my choice, but I don't see that happening. I think they're going to be six and five when this weekend's over. Okay. The so battle lines. I think, have... a, I think there's a strong chance that the Rams have a worse record than the Raiders when this weekend is over. There is a strong chance of that, you know. And and if the Eagles, if the Eagles beat the Seahawks, that that margin between those two teams stays two games. Uh, with the Rams already owning a game in hand, so you know that was a huge, you know, huge opportunity there uh, for that one as well. The Rams beat the Seahawks, right? Did I forget that? Or the Seahawks actually won that game? Oh boy. Seahawks won that game, yeah. So the Seahawks did beat the Rams earlier this year. Uh, so, either way, Chris, this is going to be a blast. Can't wait for that. Thanks for coming on the show, talking some football. Always a pleasure when we talk uh, NFL here on the Money Mitch Effect. Oh, yeah, man. Always a good time. All right, that's it for today's show. Big thanks again to both guests, Matt Wittenberg and Chris Miller. Just wanted to also say one other thing, and we talk about hockey as well a lot on this show. Mike Babcock fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs as their head coach. 
big deal. He was the highest paid coach in the NHL. He was brought in, you know, from Detroit, a long tenure there where he won a Stanley Cup with the Red Wings. Did not get the job done. The Leafs were 9, 10, and 4 at the time of his dismissal. My thoughts are simple. I mean, coaches get fired in a lot of sports, hockey included, when the players tune them out, when they look listless and lifeless, and the message isn't getting through. Do I think Babcock's a good coach? Yes. Is he overbearing? And, and can he get out in players at times? It certainly seems like it. But the message wasn't there. The people that hired him, not all of them were still around. Brandon Shanahan and company decided to make a move. Uh, and this thing happens in the NHL. No matter how good or bad you are, it is always a results-based business. No matter what happens, and this goes beyond sports in a lot of ways, your resume, how much they're paying you, it all comes down to results. The expectations were high. Toronto has an insanely skilled team that just isn't getting it done. And uh, I wouldn't close the book on them making a run either, given the fact that we've seen this happen before. The Pittsburgh Penguins, the Los Angeles Kings, both won Stanley Cups from the last 10-plus years or so, firing coaches midseason. So that's going to be a big deal to watch what happens there. Uh, and also, if you watch hockey, Flurry's save against the Leafs in Babcock's last game was one of the best saves I've ever seen. Mark it down, watch it, make sure you check that out. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Reminder, catch every episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well. Hope you enjoy the football. Hope you enjoy all the sports going on. I'm Mitch Michaels, and a reminder, keep enjoying sports, and I'll talk to you later.